Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to, hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Druskin. We've arrived at that time of the week, folks. The deciding point where we're going to recap all of the action that's happened in the men's college tennis world over the past week. Of course, this episode promises to be a jam-packed one as we recap the ceremonial start of the 2022 college tennis season, the ITA kickoff weekend officially in the books. We know the 15 teams that are going to be joining the University of Washington out in Seattle for those national indoor finals, of course. We're not going to break down every squad, but much like we did in our women's recap show, we're going to name our five most interesting, impressive performers of the weekend. We'll have a conversation with a member of our most impressive team on the week. We're also, of course, going to take the time to preview the week ahead as the college tennis world never sleeps. Yeah, national indoors, not for a couple of weeks on the men's side but still plenty of fun college tennis action to keep us entertained in the meantime. Of course, then, for the first time all season long, we want to reveal the first edition of our Cracked Rackets Top 10, our Cracked Rackets voters uh, submitting their picks. We have the answers for all of you listeners who are the 10 most impressive teams in our mind to date thus far. We will answer that question at the end of the show. And of course, joining me on today's show to recap all of the action that's happened over the past week, as they always do whenever we're talking men's college tennis here at Cracked Rackets. Let's start where we always start. You know him as your co-favorite writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com, a former four-star recruit, the better half of the Stokowiak brother duo. It's our friend, Matt, the crack Stokowiak. Matty, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. It was a hell of a weekend. Have you recovered? Ooh, I think I'm still trying to recover, man. It was a hell of a weekend. Um, our, our group chat was uh, was lighting up. It was so much fun, man. I It just, the kickoff weekend to me is always like that it's that time where, you know, okay, the season's officially started like a hundred percent. We're all the way in on it. Um, That's really always the start for me. So we had a bunch of matches to watch and yeah, I had a blast, man. I'm still, uh, still recovering a little bit, but I'm ready for more. Bring it on. It it was, uh, you're absolutely right. There's just so much tennis happening across the country. And I'm very happy that we fully incorporated our friend, John J Parsons into our group chat. The three person group chat has been retired. It's now a two person person. Uh, it's now a four person, excuse me, sort of affair. And, you know, that makes everything that much more enjoyable. But, you know, speaking of enjoyable, a man who can truly suck the life out of a room is the third member of our college tennis holy trinity, the man joining us on the show today. Of course, forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions, never far from the listed UTR, one of the many games to root for the Liberty Flames. He's got a bad UTR. He's got a bad shoulder. That's why we call him post prime Greg Maddox. But of course, it is our friend, Chris Hallioris. Chris, hey, great shot. Same question to you, my friend. I felt like this was that first weekend where you've got 17 different streams and 22 different live scores open. College tennis is back. 
Oh, it was tremendous. I mean, it was a bummer that I didn't get to go out this weekend, but you know, the silver lining was I got to watch every region that had video stream. And like you said, you know, you've got, you've got enough, uh, enough tabs open that your computer eventually just blows up and you have to reboot, <laughs> but, uh, but it was great. You know what else was great? I got my cracked rackets coffee. Yeah, <laughs> finally, let's go we'll get, And this is something we'll be doing moving forward. And hopefully all of you are watching us here on YouTube as we record this show live. I'm sure there are some of you who are still, uh, obviously every show we record, we record live, but there are some of you who still listen to this in podcast form. You can come see our smiling and in Maddie's case, beautiful faces uh, live on YouTube. We're going to be doing this every week. Believe the time we're going to try to stick with Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Time again, super producer Daniel Westoff has turned this into a full-fledged show. It is far beyond anything we have done on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel in the past. It makes the viewing experience and just this entire podcast that much more enjoyable. So come watch myself, Chris Halioris, Matt Stachowiak. We'll all try to wrap different gear each and every episode as well as a shout out to all the schools that have been so kind to provide it to us over the course of the past few weeks. Of course, some of you tuning in right now may say, Alex, you know, your background looks different. Something's off about you. What's going on right now? Uh, well, I am in Cleveland live at the tennis uh, Cleveland Challenger tennis in the land. And as you can see on my shirt, and I will say this, it's been really fun to see a bunch of former college guys, Blumberg, Galarno, all the crew who are all offering me their national indoor takes as well. So I've got some analysis here, not just from myself, but I suppose from some actual experts. But of course, before we get into anything, before we break down our top five performers, before we preview the week ahead, talk about our Crack Rackets top 10 rankings, I want to let all of you listeners know that the reason we're able to go live on this show, take this broadcast to the next level here at Crack Rackets is because of the support we got from our friends at Swing Vision. They're our newest partners. And I won't lie, with all due respect to everyone else, they may be the partners we are most excited to be paired with moving forward because simply put, we here at Crack Rackets are tennis players. And as tennis players, we are always looking for an opportunity to put it on the back curtain while you're playing. It's going to document everything you're doing. Forehands, backhands, volleys, serves, cross-court line. How many did you make? How many did you miss? Swing Vision taking the information you were able to provide in one hitting session to the next level. Of course, folks, you want to let them know we sent you there. You want to get $20 off your purchase plus a free 14-day pro subscription. You're going to use our promo code CRACK20 when you go to that website, when you click on that link. And again, folks, if you're playing tennis and you want to get better, I don't know why you aren't using Swing Vision. You can document everything, get better right away. Use that promo code again, CRACK20, 14-day pro trial, $20 discount. Swing Vision is the place to be. It says artificial intelligence for your tennis. There's nothing artificial about it, folks. It's the real deal. Go check it out. Swing Vision is the place to be. Now, with all of that said, gentlemen, it's time to get into our ITA kickoff weekend recap. Let's start with the gloating. I want to point this out right away. Chris Hallioris came on the line like a stomping, conquering hero being like, I got 15. I got 15. And it's like, you did not go perfect, my friend. You did not get 15. But you look in the end again, ultimately, Chris does get the victory. It's 14 of 15. Correct. The only one he misses out on the one we all miss out on. And by the way, We'll get to them. We'll get to them. You know what? Never mind. Shout out Texas A&M. You'll get the full shout out when we talk about you a little bit later. 
Arizona knocks off. Uh, Arizona gets knocked off by Texas A&M in College Station. That's the only one we all get wrong. Now, you guys have abandoned your principles, abandoned your home schools. If Chris had any sort of moral fiber or character, he'd have picked Mississippi State. But of course, he has neither of those things. So he didn't. I was never <laughs> I was never going to betray my Wolverines. I ended up picking them. That's where we differ. So, again, Chris, 14, Maddie, 13, myself, 12. Overall, and I want to start with you, Maddie, feel like things went pretty close to script if you're looking big picture on the kickoff weekend. I think so. I mean, for the most part, the the teams that we said, hey, they're locks, right? We know these teams are going to be locks. I mean, they they won and it was it was straightforward we did see a lot of 4-0 type scores um you know which is to be expected sometimes at the kickoff especially when you've got all these teams in there right we're talking 15 different sites instead of you know seven like we had last year so that makes a big difference and you kind of see some of those 4-0 scores but but again we also had some really, really tight, good matches in there as well, which we're going to get into here. So overall, I mean, yeah, you got a low, you got a few blowouts in there. I mean, that's always going to happen, but we had some good ones too. Yeah. And Chris, we said that Oxford, Mississippi region with Ole Miss, Illinois, NC State, Oklahoma, it was wide open. We thought anyone could have captured the, t- uh, the region. Now, ultimately, Ole Miss is able to do it, but I don't just despite that being a source of error for me and Maddie, I don't think anyone's shocked by that result. I legitimately think like the only shocking result might be Texas A&M advancing over UCLA over Arizona, dropping one point on the way of doing so. Like short of that result, Harvard beating Pepperdine, I suppose, surprising, not quite the shock category, but definitely surprising. Like outside of those two results, it felt like a pretty on script weekend. Yeah, I mean, obviously A and M's the big one, and I know, I know you want to talk about it, Gruskin, but I mean, I got to give props to the guys. Westoff, cue me up here. Arizona goes to Texas A and M, who in losing Vashiro, Habib, and Aguilar, that was the obvious pick. Are you sure about that? about that prediction if you were really creative you would have pixelated your face onto that chris and you would have done a celebration <laughs> dance with them to to honor well, you winning the kickoff predictions i i might have tried that had i actually picked them but <laughs> since <laughs> since i was sort of in the same boat uh and we all took arizona i just appreciated the fact a that they they take enough time to really you know point out that we were all wrong really they only pointed out that you were wrong but in reality, we were all wrong. And I love the fact that they point, they, they you know, they guide their, uh, their, their work towards you. But uh, yeah, that was just, that was too good by the A&M guys. Yeah, and, and to your point, yeah, that was probably the only really shocking re- region. We had some close results. We got what we expected out of Ole Miss, which was some really close matches that we had no idea which way they were going to go. Uh, and, and yeah, everything else was, was pretty straightforward. Can I just say, because I was going to put this off till later, but we can just address it now. I have been waiting for four years to be dunked on. Like nothing to me is more flattering nor gratifying than knowing that Texas A&M used my trash takes as motivation to get the job done. If I can offer even 1% of motivation to any team across the country, then we are unequivocally doing our job, fellas. Like that's that's what we set out to do here at Crack Racket. So Again, I guess Texas A&M, you're welcome. 
Like, if anything, where's my, you know, like I already have the shirt. Where's my check? Like, give me that NIL deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Maddie, I don't, I don't ever really want to be wrong. But if, if, if I have to be wrong to be with Gruskin and see something like that, I don't know if I really want to be right. I mean, that was just, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to hey. see that all the time. Well said, buddy. Well said. No, Chris, I'll say this. The next time we get a prediction correctly or the three of us, we will be doing a dancing video. Like, let me <laughs> let me tell you, I will have a choreography ready for us by NCAA so that when the three of us are in the same location the next time, we'll be able to do something like that. But no, again, fairly on script weekend is certainly compared to the women's side. That said, there's still plenty of action for us to break down. And with that in mind, let's get to our breakdowns. Again, we're going to name our five most impressive performances of the weekend. We'll then get to the week ahead. We'll get to the rankings, but let's start with the number five team on our list, fellas. And I mean, does it hurt my soul? To say Wake Forest is number five on this list. I suppose anytime you beat the Wolverines, you're most impressive in my mind. And here's the thing. There was a little miscommunication, so you listeners know. Uh, I was accused of sending most interested when, in fact, I'm pretty sure by my memory, I sent most impressive. Now, don't check the text messages as evidence. So you may think some of these numbers are a bit off. I think you can make a case Wake Forest was above number five, particularly just given, you know, the uncertainty surrounding their team where, you know, it's a new guy in the top two. And yeah, Nava is a guy we've seen in college tennis forever, but have we seen him as a top two guy consistently yet throughout the course of his career? I think we would argue he was good last year. I don't think we would argue he was great. And so, you know, between those two, I mean, what are you going to do with Maroney and Tachi and body and, you know, uh, uh, Sid the Kid, Banthea, and just Kungu. There's a lot of talent, but a lot of unknowns for this Wake Forest team that they dropped the doubles point and managed to find four wins at singles, particularly with how well Michigan seemed to play through the first hour and a half, two hours of that match, Maddie. I mean, extraordinarily impressed by Coach Bresky and the Demon Deacons. I think so. I, I agree, Gruskin. I, I was I was pretty impressed with Wake. I mean, and we didn't even see all their guys, right? Like Kungu and, and you mentioned Sid Banthia. And, and, you know, I don't know what their lineup's going to end up looking like, you know, once we get to indoors and throughout the rest of the season. But yeah, I, to go in there, you know, they're at home, right? Which is, you know, that's obviously a big advantage for Wake. They're always tough at home. But to beat a really good Michigan team, you know, that – I'm high on. I, I think Michigan is a good team. I, I said that last week on this show. Um, and then to turn around and beat Notre Dame, who, you know, it's an ACC opponent. It's never going to be easy. Um, familiar opponent there. And, you know, they got the job done. I was impressed with Taha Body. I mean, he slid down playing that number six position. I mean, he rolled. Yeah, they're Maroney. I mean, there were just a lot of guys that I wasn't so sure about that I really wanted to see. And they stepped up. I was also watching, you know, that top court um, as well, just just to see, you know, you lose Henry Squire, right? I mean, that's a big loss. I don't know. It Wake, they're going to be a work in progress. I think Tony's going to have to figure out what exactly he wants to do with that lineup, but he's got plenty of options. And hopefully we see guys like Kungu and, and uh, Sid in there sooner rather than later. But yeah, no doubt. Impressive from Wake, for sure. Well, I've, been wait, I've been waiting to do this for weeks now that we got Schneider versus Aaron Schneider was just wonderful. It was wonderful. It was outstanding. But um, yeah, to, to your point, 
I still think there are a lot of unknowns about this Wake right. team because right. we know how good they can be from a depth perspective. And I forgot to say, if Stafalu, who Chris always says, where do you find no. the L in his yep. name, Alex, to which I say, um, but, you know, for them against Michigan, because Fenty put forward one of those primetime performances that we've seen throughout his college tennis career, whether it was his freshman season beating, yes, a beaten down J.J. Wolf, but still getting that victory or at the national indoors in 2020. Chris, we were there. Fenty was the only healthy member of the Michigan team. Ultimately, that team ends up making the semifinals. You know, you look for Wake Forest. And I don't want to dismiss what they did against Notre Dame the next day, winning the doubles, earning wins at five and six again before Nava ends up closing it out. But I think what I learned about this team, they do have the depth. They do have that options, right? They sweep three through six against Michigan, come back in a couple of three set wins to do so. In fact, three out of the four wins are in three sets. So they have that talent at the bottom to match up with anyone. Now to Maddie's point, Karamov, still unsure. Nava at two. Still unsure, but this team has the depth to be in the mix, right? Like you feel pretty good about the bottom four against Wake Forest against anyone, like not just the Michigans of the world, but I would argue against anyone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think the one thing I took away from Wake is, is I don't think Karamov's going to be the answer at one, I agree. Uh, you know, not, not a great result for them. I think Nava's going to find his way back into the top spot. Uh, but as you stated, and rightly so, a ton of depth. I mean, we you know we saw what we saw there, knowing you still had guys like Sid Banthia, right, sitting on the bench uh, playing doubles but not playing singles, and Kungu not playing at all. Don't know if the, if that's going to change. But, I mean, it, there's a lot of depth on this team. I think it's going to be a lot like it was last year. Unfortunately for them last year, they had the luxury of Squire at the top, now it's still a team with a lot of guys that can play, but, uh, you know, the the who's going to fill in really well in, you know, in those top two to three spots, it's, you know, against the good teams, that might be a tough spot for them. It's hilarious that normally we say, well, what separates the good from the best depth? It's like, OK, but in this instance, it's actually strength at the top because and to care, you know, for Karamov, Maddie, because you brought it up. You're right. It was a bad weekend for him. Owen, two and just, you know, doesn't win a set in either of those matches either. That's just not. And I mean, Axel Neve, that's a brutal draw, obviously, for him uh, in against Notre Dame. Fenty can be exceptional as well. But like two and two three and three, like that's just not going to cut it. And so, you know, again, it's worth noting for this team, they took the doubles point against Tennessee in that four, three loss. And it does feel like they have options there. And if they can go up one Oh, you look out, right? Because they do have that depth. I don't know. You're fine. What do you expect from this Wake Forest team going in the indoors? Well, again, Gruskin, we always talk about depth being that key to teams that go deep in the postseason, but it's that's kind of under the assumption that you're going to have players that can really play at the top, sure, right? Sure, as sure. well, like that's just kind of a given with those top teams. Hey, you've got a stud at one and a guy that can really play well at two. That's just kind of goes without saying. So you have to have the depth there as well. Um, you know, going into indoors, I I think Wake is very dangerous, and and if you are one of these top teams, top five teams. You know, you don't want to see them until probably the semifinals or the finals of the tournament because they do have depth that can compete, you know, and if, if they can win doubles, then like you said, they're going to be rocking and rolling. I just I don't know, though, consistently how many doubles points they'll be able to win against 
the Ohio States of the world and, and the Tennessees of the world and those teams that really have, you know, high level doubles. I don't know if Wake's going to be able to, uh, to compete with them, but I, I think they're dangerous. You have to watch out. You can't take them lightly or else you'll lose that. That's for sure. But overall, I'm, we have to see the draw first, right? But I'm, I'm probably not going to predict Wake to go super far. No, it's they're going to be eight, nine versus USC. And we're all going to be scratching our heads and being, so what are we going to do with this match guys? And then I guarantee you, you two will pick the same team. And then I'm going to go the opposite way because someone's got a zag and then you'll both be right. We'll be right. Yeah. And then Chris will get to be like, Westoff, give me another sound effect. Um, But no, Chris, sorry. First of all, I just miss having you here, Chris. It's weird to go to an event without one of you or Westoff alongside of me, but you know, Obviously, any final thoughts on Wake, go for it. You look at the rest of this region, though. I'm saving my Wolverines thoughts for last. I liked how they looked. Notre Dame, you feel pretty good that they escaped against SMU. SMU, you feel like you pushed Michigan and Notre Dame to the brink in both of your matches despite the scoreboards. That's my read. What are your final thoughts on this region? Yeah, I mean, overall, I think, it, you know, there's a lot of regions where you look and you thought, ah, you know, didn't <laughs> nobody was super impressive outside the team that won. Everybody here actually looked better than I thought they would look. I mean, you know, Notre Dame was not expecting as much as I think we saw from them. They they showed up well. I mean, some of the guys at the bottom of their lineup that I thought, boy, they're just going to get whitewashed uh, out here, you know, and and they didn't. It was a good showing for them. Same with SMU. Michigan, to your point, I mean, they were, I mean, that was a battle. That was a dogfight. They could have easily won that match, uh, you know, and great for Fenty to get the win after the start he had had to the season. So, uh, you know, I think it's a, it was a good showing for all of the teams in that region. I think all of them come out with, you know, they all take something away positive out of that. Maddie, I'm going to end this region with my Michigan thoughts, but floor is yours. Final thoughts. Well, I'm, I'll, I'll talk on SMU for a second because that SMU Notre Dame match, I watched that. That was really impressive. I'm t- And I said this before, I can't remember if it was on this show or if it was on one of our earlier pods, SMU coach Grant Chen this program's going in the right direction. He's brought in a couple of transfers. The guys that were there last year are improved. They're a dangerous team. I mean, they really are. Notre Dame barely escaped that. I mean, they they I thought they were going to lose. I thought SMU was going to take that first match against Notre Dame. So really impressive from them. And um, yeah, no, this 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 was a fun, it was a fun region, I'd say overall. For sure. And you look again, let me just two seconds on my Wolverines. I apologize, Stoff, who must be screaming, move on at his camera, uh, at his computer right now. A, we were without Styler this weekend on the road. We still played him 4-3. We still took the doubles point. B, had we won that match and advanced to the national indoors, we'll do an interview later today, uh, later on this show with Texas AM standout number one singles player Noah Schachter. Jacob Bickerstaff would have been our interview. I can lock that in right now that he beat Nava. I still don't get it, Chris. Like I'm still in shock because we were talking about that. Uh, you know, we, there were some DMs between us and it was just like, wait, what's happening here? You know, what's going on? And so to, to your point, Maddie, to, to then have SMU the next day. I mean, if Fenty doesn't clinch or I forget who clinched that match, we're still playing and it's a four, three match Michigan versus SMU. And so, you know, again, credit to SMU. Michigan looked great without Styler. I will say this. We will go as far as Patrick Maloney takes us. The best version of Patrick Maloney, this team gets to the semifinals. The worst, the, he was up 1540 or better in the semifinals first three games of, of that what? third set. 
semifinals of indoors, semifinals of, of, yeah, let's not go NCAAs yet, but this team will go as far as it can go. It'll push anyone. It's not going to get rolled over. We're, I'm telling you, sweet 16 or better if we get the best version of Maloney, who we saw in that first set. And again, 1540 or better in the first three games of the third, he loses all three. Gavin Young is clearly going to be good as a freshman. And he's answers knocking off all the boxes. You know, it feels like that match was on his racket, but a freshman just on the road, that scenario, you lose it. Wolverine nation feel good about this team. That's what I have to say. That would be my takeaway. And my final one from the wake forest region. But with that in mind, we spent enough time on one region. Let's move on to our number four, most impressive team. And look, this was a three team region. This team that advances only had to win one match to advance, but there was a lot unknown about the USC Trojans entering this kickoff weekend. And yes, the team had played, you know, three matches against Davis, Irvine, and Claremont Mudscript in the lead up to the kickoff weekend. But we were all circling USC versus Harvard. First match of the kickoff weekend as one for us to watch. Now, unfortunately, Denver, who is the original fourth team in this region, forced forced to withdraw due to COVID circumstances, unable to compete throughout the weekend. They're unable to find a replacement team as such. Pepperdine ends up playing Harvard the first week, uh, first match. USC gets a bye to the final. I don't want to say that was the difference, although I do think you saw some fatigue on Harvard down the home stretch of that match. But for Harvard to knock off Pepperdine the way that they did, come back, earn a 4-3 victory, and then for the Trojans to just comfortably advance over Harvard the way that they did. In particular, I thought for a young team starting, what, three, four freshmen? I know they're older players, but you look for Merrick, Mock, and Colby. So, excuse me, three freshmen there in their singles lineup. And, you know, other than Destonic and Fry, completely different doubles teams. I want to start with you, Chris, because I you were either on the call with me for this or maybe I think you were on the call with me for this or we were chatting during. I mean, the Trojans are young, but I'll tell you this. Like Merrick and Mock, they don't look like freshmen. And Colby might be the fastest player on that team from a court coverage perspective. Like this, they got some big boys. The Trojans, I was skeptical of their preseason rankings, far less so now. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely an impressive performance from them. It was the, obviously the match we thought we were going to see first, not for the final. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I you know. Harvard showed obviously a great win over Pepperdine the first day to, to get there and USC just, you know, they, they did what they had to do. They didn't make it overly interesting. Yeah. There were some three set matches, but you know, it was, it wasn't like it was a four, two, four, three match. They, they took it pretty comfortably and, and the guys really, they really played well. You know, the one guy, the one guy that we actually knew a lot about in, in Steph, is the one guy that I didn't really see a lot from, right? I mean, he he didn't finish his match. He didn't win. Uh, but uh, but the other guys, like you said, Mark, Mark, uh, I mean, how quick Colby was. And, you know, Yachek looked great uh, against Pepperdine, right? I mean, that was the match that, like, we were thinking, wow, Vasa from Pepperdine uh, played so well against Arizona, got taken down there. And, and then Colby, you know, three and four, uh, it was a great match for him. So all these guys that we haven't seen for USC, we finally get a good look at and they didn't disappoint. This is a good team. No, now I get why coach Macy was so cocky with us throughout the off season saying, yeah, we lost all these starters, but trust me, we're going to be right there when push comes to shove. Maddie, your reaction to the Trojans weekend. 
Yeah, I'm starting to believe Coach Macy a little bit more here. Look, I was impressed too. I had so many question marks with this team because so many new faces and they lost so many guys from last year that were just crucial components of their team. I still need to see more though, guys. Look, they played one match against Harvard and while it was impressive, I still want to see more because I'm, I'm not totally sure against some better competition. Let me put it this way. In this region, there were only three teams. I was actually impressed with all three teams. Like Harvard, for them to come out and do what they did to Pepperdine, I didn't necessarily expect that to happen. Impressive performance from Harvard, I think, all the way around. And I know the the USC match didn't go their way, but but that's okay. And, And still, Pepperdine losing to Harvard, I still think they're a very, very dangerous team. All three of these squads... I think are going to be dangerous. And, you know, for USC, I liked what I saw, but it was one match, right? For me, I've got to see just a little bit more against some other competition. Let's put it that way. I'm going to be very interested to see how they do at indoors because I mean, every match is going to be tough there, but coach Macy, look, if if you're listening, man, I'm I'm coming around. I'm coming around on the Trojans for sure. I I like to hear it. Chris, you look like you've got something on your mind. I don't, I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think we have to wait till indoors. Don't they get Stanford Cal, and Cal this so weekend? Stanford, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Cal at Cal, you know, both of these road matches for the Trojans, 4 p.m. as well. That's so going to be a fascinating litmus test. Let's revisit this next week on the show, right? We're going to come back and see what did USC do the, the previous weekend, and then we can really talk. I think at that point, we'll be able to make a better judgment against those teams, yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And the other thing I would point out here, and Chris, I want your assessment on Pepperdine Harvard as well, but I think that path of teams eight through 22 has never been closer. And that's something we talked about all off season long. Like on the right day, I think we're still going to feel pretty good about Arizona. On the right day, we're going to feel pretty good about this Pepperdine team. And by the way, this Pepperdine team captured four first sets and singles. It felt like they were halfway home. It felt like Rogers after winning that first set seven, six, that something clicked for him. And, you know, certainly given Pietro Fellin's fall that he went up a first set on what's the big boy's name, Harris something. It's not Faulkner. Harris is it? Walker. A oh, Walker. Who's Harris Faulkner. That's a human. That's a real person. I just want to be clear, but uh, it might be someone on Twitter, but yeah, Harris. Thank you. Uh, you know, Harris Walker played, you know, flip the script and like is able to wear Pietro down. And I think that was surprising to me. Like I really thought, yeah, losing a doubles point for Pepperdine, that didn't shock me because I still think they're pretty unproven in doubles, but for them to win four first sets and play the way that they had against a relatively uncalloused Harvard team that's played four matches or whatever in three years, it was an upset, Chris. I don't think there's any ifs, ands or buts about it. Definitely an upset. I mean, this is one that we, I mean, I was looking at it probably a a 4-2-ish, maybe 4-3, but probably a 4-2-ish type match for Pepperdine, as good as they had looked, say, in taking down Arizona. And I tell you, I mean, the guy, the guy that kind of got them off on the wrong foot at at five was Vasa. You know, he looked so good against Arizona and came out there against Harvard and just gave one up really quick and straight sets, like two and four and off the court. And, you know, like we talked, even if you're not going to win, you've got to stay out there on the court. You can't just get off that quickly and put your team down in the hole. And, and that was a match. I thought that they, they should have won. Uh, and then, you know, then it all comes down to that Rogers and Brian, she, and, uh, and you know, it, 
Brian, she was just a better guy on the day. He is, I mean, that was crazy. He was so fast getting to everything. So offensive. And you just, in watching that, you thought he would get lulled in at some points where he wasn't aggressive enough. He was so good when he was aggressive and then he would get passive and Rogers defense would, would be enough to win, win points and win games for him. But Brian, she looked great and he was just too much on the day for him. And it was a, you know, that was a great win for Harvard, a really good look uh, from some of those guys on on that day. Yeah, no, I I would completely agree with you there. Maddie. final thoughts on this region go to you. Yeah. um, All three teams I think are going to be formidable. I know I just said this and, and she, you know, for that match that you're talking about there, Chris, Andrew Rogers has been playing tremendous tennis over the past several months. I mean, that guy was hot. And so it was impressive for she to, to take, you know, step up and take that match. Like he did. I'm telling you guys, I think all three of these teams in this region are going to be dangerous opponents, Pepperdine, Harvard, USC, you know, Obviously, USC is a team that we always are aware of, but Pepperdine and Harvard, man, I, I mean, they they can put a scare into some teams for sure and, and win some of those matches. So, um, yeah. Chris, over under one and a half NCAA region hosts come out of this USC kickoff weekend. Uh, the top 16 hosts? So yeah. The first region? Uh, over. Oh, that's what I like to hear, my friend. By the way, for sure. it, either Pepperdine yeah. or Harvard absolutely is going to host. Maddie, you agree? I, I think I do. I yeah. think I do. No, it's fair. And by the way, Westoff, cut the clip of Maddie saying that guy was just really hot because usually it's me who says something like that, like, oh man, that guy was hot. But like, you know, this time it was Maddie with the Freudian slip. And so, yeah, I agree. Andrew Rogers looks no sexy Freudian slip throughout there. the code. No, I know. I'm just joking. I meant exactly, I meant exactly what I said. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, Westoff, cut the clip anyways. Um, all right. With that said, let's get to the number three team on our list. And this will be a spot of controversy with all of you. There was a miscommunication. Chris threw a hissy fit. That's actually not true. I just sent a horrible first text to both of these guys. As such, the number three team. And I now that I had Ohio State number three on a most impressive list, and Chris was like, under no circumstances is Ohio State going to be number three. We <laughs> knew they were going to beat North Carolina. And I just wasn't in the mood for a fight, if I'm going to be honest with all of you listeners, all of you viewers right now. So I was just like, all right, Chris wants South Carolina. Let's just throw him at three. South Carolina is going to be our most impressive team of the there. We are going to keep them at number three. Just a quick tangent on the Buckeyes, though. Chris, because I sent it to you, does it make more sense now why I had them three? <laughs> yeah. When you say impressive, yes. Interesting. <laughs> as I stated to, to Gruskin, there was nothing interesting about that region. They whitewashed North Carolina. I mean, it was a runaway. So uh, impressive. Absolutely. Interesting. Not so much. All right. Well then let's talk about this South Carolina region and why it was interesting. And Maddie, I'm going to ask you to switch your hat forward for a quick second, just so listeners know what we're seeing here. Of course, South Carolina ends up playing the Duke blue devils, ultimately Duke. I mean, we're five minutes away. I was terrified that we were going to have to leave the show with Duke. And I was gonna be like, Oh no, like, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Like people think I'm this huge anti Duke fan and I'm not, and they're going to see that. And now this veneer is going to be shattered, but the blue devils look great. Like this is as impressive as they've played a big match in my opinion, in quite a bit of time. Ultimately though, Maddie, the Gamecocks just too good still. Oh, who'd you learn more about here? Do you learn more about South Carolina? You learn more about Duke with this result. Ooh, that's, that's tough because I want to say both. Let me give both takes, right? If we're talking about impressive performance, 
I was more impressed with Duke than I was South Carolina. I wasn't that impressed with South Carolina. I expected more out of them. You know, James Story coming in and and Lambling didn't play very well again. And just overall, it just it didn't seem like they were really clicking. Um, And so I'm wondering, guys, did we overrate? South Carolina a little bit? Are they not going to be as good as maybe what we thought this year in the SEC? I don't know. Again, it was one weekend. They played a couple of matches. We don't have to put too much stock into it. But Duke, I mean, I was much more impressed with my Blue Devils guys. I mean, they 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 nearly won that match. I mean, they, they were so close to going to the national indoors. It came down to the doubles point again. I mean, South Carolina had a pretty significant edge in doubles. Um, and that that's huge. It makes a difference, right? When you split singles matches, it comes down to doubles. And South Carolina was clearly the better team in doubles. Um, you know, and for Duke in singles, I mean, my guy Sean Scully didn't play. You know, he he's going to be back in there in singles hopefully soon. Um it's just, it's a deeper team, I think, this year for Duke. They have more guys that they can throw in there. When you've got Andrew Dale, that's rock solid down at number five or whatever he's going to be playing, five, six. Um, that's something that I feel like has been missing from this Duke team for for some years now. Um you know, Connor Krug comes in as a freshman and, and plays pretty well. I mean, overall, I just, I think the guys stepped up and, and played well. So in the ACC conference this year, it's going to, it's wide open, right? We know Virginia's at the top. We know Wake's going to be up there, but I mean, after UNC's performance this past weekend, I don't know how good we're feeling about them. Um, you know, NC State, Duke, all of these teams are in the mix. So I'm, I'm looking for Duke. To, to really win a lot of matches this year, I think, in the ACC on their schedule. They should have a good year, and they just nearly made the indoors. Um, I was I was disappointed, no question yeah, in that. No, it, it, it's a fair point to make, and I would, you know, first of all, I know it's Andrew Dale, but on the inspiration of Binghamton men's tennis, who in, introduced Dan Boom Boom Purgle to me last night, can we just call him, when he plays well, Andrew Dale? as opposed to Dale, like when he plays bad, oh, there's a, there's a Dale performance, but when he plays well, we can be like, Dale. Like, I, there think my, I think my brother, Nick would approve of that. Okay. That's all I need. That's, I you think know, he would. if I get the Nikki stamp of approval, that's all I'm asking for. But look, I mean, to your point about South Carolina, and I want to come to you here, Chris, because you're our SEC expert always, they earned one victory, one victory in the four through six singles positions over the course of the weekend. Now, credit to, you know, uh, Ralph, Raphael Lambling, who gets a 5-0 and win over Boris Kozlov, which is just a subtle troll to us here at Crack Rackets, but the 5-0 and win over Kozlov. Other than that, though, like, you know, James Story's playing six singles for this team this year, Chris, and he was 0-2 on the weekend. Now, it's still very, very early, and let's be clear here. There is no sort of panic button being hit if you're Coach Goffey and the Gamecocks. But to Maddie's point, I mean, I'm just going to ask it to you open-ended. You learn more about Duke here? You learn more about South Carolina? I was thinking the exact same thing that Maddie said, which was with both. What I learned was, yeah, at least at this point in the season, South Carolina is not as good as we thought they were. Uh, I mean, that that bottom of the lineup was very disappointing. Now, I'll, I'll give you this. If you're South Carolina, you're not a team that you look at like many of the teams where we go, oh, man. They're going to be a lock at one, a lock at two, a lock at six, and then go find another. Well, they're one of those teams that's kind of there's they can play anywhere 
and they're just looking to, hey, just it's four today, wherever they come from, it doesn't really matter. And it's going to be a different four all of the time. Uh, and some days you may just get beat, but but they're they're pretty level. But boy, it's a little concerning what they looked like at the bottom of the lineup. And and to your point, Duke at, at Zhang at two had match points in the second set breaker. He was up six four. He gets one of those match points and and we're done. I mean, it's you know it, it, that wouldn't have clinched the match at that point. But then they you know the I think I think at six was still going then. But yep. when he you know that would have been for the win at six had had he been able to close it. Uh, Duke was right there. Uh, and so, I, you know, we learned a lot about them. I mean, Connor Krug, great win over Lambling, and he lost straight sets against Liberty the day before. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, he, he turned it around and came back, and Lambling, had, you know, played a great match. Kozlov is one of the better spots in that LSU lineup. That's a tough, you know, that was one of the tougher spots for them. Good win. And I had family on site there that said, boy, that second set when he blanked him, he looked like the Lambling of old that we used to see when he was top two for South Carolina. Uh, so, so yeah, we know they've got the guys up the, at top that can, you know, probably will get there, but that bottom of the lineup uh, and particularly James story, you can't come as highly touted as you did from Memphis, the number one guy come over here to South Carolina, get to play six and then go. Oh, and two to start out. That's just, that's not going to cut it. It's really well said. And to Mandy's point about Duke, John's is legit. That was a really fun match between he and Daniel Rodriguez. And I think if you're South Carolina, the, I mean, A, you advanced, which in the end is all that matters. But B, that Rodriguez started to look much more like the NCAA finalist version of himself as opposed to what he looked like at times during this fall. That's a huge step forward, certainly, and something to take if you're the Gamecocks. And look, I mean, I think we would argue, despite the ranking, like Toby Samuel at two, doesn't feel right. Like it feels like Toby, you throw him at three, four, you get him at five, you feel great, but you throw him at three or four, he feels like a middle lineup guy. That Toby's able to overcome that matchup and get the victory over Andrew Zhang, which crushing obviously Zhang from my hometown. Shout out to AC. I still have faith in you always. I do think there's a, to, you put it so well, Chris, this is why you're our, our SEC correspondent. South Carolina is a team that just says, roll the balls out. We'll find the four. Like, don't worry. We don't, we don't do that. Like we just, we roll the balls out. We find the four. That's good at times because you don't come in with the preconceived notions. That's also horrifying. If you're head coach, Josh Goffey, cause you're like, oh my God, like, what are we going to do? Like, wait, I'm sorry. What, what's the score at two? Like Zang's got match points on Samuel. Like what's going on? And so, or, you know, Beasley lost the first set six love to Dale or in this time to Dale. Like, I just think I, I, it's tough. It's like, it, it was a weird region, Maddie. You, you got the Duke hat on final words to both of you guys. I'm curious. Any final thoughts? Yeah. Look for South Carolina. I think Daniel Rodriguez is the kind of player that they do count on as almost a lock against almost everybody because he's shown that he can, I mean, he can win against anybody. He's a top, top player in the country when he's playing well. So, you know, he's a guy where you go, okay, we, we probably have to win one. I mean, you know, Rodriguez has to win his match. And then after that, yeah, it, there's a lot of, I mean, I, I do like Connor Thompson. I, I think I agree with your take Gruskin about Samuel at two. I I think Connor Thompson should probably bump up there to that number two position and, and Toby Samuel can play three or four with Lambley. You know, I don't know how they're, I don't know how they're going to do that, but I'm excited about Duke guys. 
I am. I think this year is going to be a little bit different when my guy Scully comes back in there and everything. It just seems like it's an older, a more mature team. And I know the Krugs are in there. You know, there's some younger guys, um, but Garrett's been around now forever. And Zhang's been around now and Edu and, and guys like that, that are a little more veteran. I it's time. It's time for the blue devils to step up. The ACC is more open this year. Go get it done guys. So with that in mind, Chris, last word goes to you. Duke, third place in the ACC conference. That's the goal, right? Like Carolina has shown they're beatable. Uh, you know, I think Wake, North, uh, Wake, excuse me, in Virginia, still Wake in Virginia. But if you're Duke, third is the is the metric, right? Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Absolutely, there's a bunch of teams that all think... That's the spot we're fighting for, right? You've got right. Duke, you've got NC State, you've got Florida State, you've got North Carolina, right? And I'm leaving Miami. You've got Miami, Miami. sneaky. You've got Georgia Tech. You've, I mean, yeah. there are teams out there that, you know, they're all in the hunt after those top two. And so, yeah, it's it's going to be a good it's going to be a good fight to see who can come. You know, just three, four, who can make it there. This feels very 2011 ish, where it's like Virginia's the clear number one in the ACC wakes number two right now and then it's a rat race to figure out who's third and yeah that race for the third place conference in the ACC is certainly one we will be monitoring most closely because outside shot that team gets a top 16 seed certainly a storyline we will continue to touch on here throughout the course of the year but all right those are five that's four that's three with a little Ohio State assist sprinkled in as well let's get to our number two most impressive performers of the weekend and shout out to you Chris Hallioris floor is yours you correctly guessed Ole Miss would advance out of their region in Oxford they're able to do so now I was keeping my ear close to the ground you suggested that you know teams playing Ole Miss should fear for beer bottles being thrown at them with how rowdy that crowd gets in Oxford now I did not hear of any thrown beer bottles but I did hear the rebels who don't run the regular rebels looked pretty damn good over the course of the weekend Chris what'd you think yeah I mean I mean, just what a weekend that first, that Oklahoma team is a really good team. And as I had said last week, Uh if if it wasn't going to be Ole Miss, I was probably going to take Oklahoma. Uh, And, you know, I think, I know Maddie and I were in the same boat coming into the region going, I could pick anyone, but just because they're missing Lexi at the top this year, I'm I'm steering away from NC State. And they looked super impressive. I mean, they were great on day one. They get to the final. And if you look at the scorecard from that final match, there were seven, six and seven, five sets everywhere in that match between Ole Miss and and NC State. It could not have been any tighter in that match. But I just I couldn't get away from the fact that Ole Miss is a terribly, terribly difficult place to play. They're always good at home, even if they don't have a great team and they've got a good team. Uh, it's just a tough place to go and play and indoors, you know, so you give me a toss up situation. I'll take them at home every time. Uh, and, and they've got a lot of veterans. I mean, when you get to play, you know, and I know one of your, your favorite names, Simon Junk, 
uh, down down low in, in your lineup for, for them. You get to play Yunk and Hain at five and six, uh, guys that have been there for a while. And then, you know, and then you've still got Finn Reynolds uh, up at the top. Uh, it's it's a good lineup for them. They're a really good indoor team. It was it was a good showing. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. And yeah, I mean, you know, I replaced the song. It's we've got the Yunk. We've got the Yunk. Oh, I've been doing a lot of singing recently. You you listeners should know I was singing before the start of our Tuesday women's show and Westoff gives me this massive Alex, why are you singing? He's like, can you please stop? And I was like, oh, no, like, did I screw something up audio wise? He goes, no, I just can't stand it while I'm doing these final graphics. And it was so funny. I was like, all right, I'll stop. Maddie, I mean, again, you look for this old Miss team. 4-1 over Oklahoma. And, you know, for them in that match, they uh, they take the doubles point. They get wins at 1, 3, and 6. You look for them in the next match against NC State. They drop the doubles point, but get wins at 1, uh, 3, 4, and 5. Like, it's it's different recipes each time if you're old Miss. And I do think that's going to probably have to be a theme for them this season as they try to figure out what is what. But they've got pieces for sure. And like Finn Reynolds was not a winner, by the way, for them. The one like sure thing we thought not a winner this weekend. Yeah. I mean, and I don't really know if that bodes well or it doesn't bode well. I mean, I guess you would say it bodes well for them, but Ole Miss to Chris's point, if, if these matches were played on, on a neutral site, does Ole Miss win? I mean, I don't know. I'm not totally convinced of that. They have a lot of interesting pieces, right? Like, I do like the players on their team individually, but then when you stack them up one through six and we're talking about, you know, we're going to see them, we're going to see them at the indoors. And it's just, I, I have a feeling they may struggle a little bit, just pure firepower. I mean, a lot of these teams, these top eight, these top 10 teams are just loaded all the way throughout. There's so much firepower there. And, and I don't feel like Ole Miss necessarily has that. They've got some good pieces, but I'm still not convinced. I mean, they were good wins, right? Oklahoma, very solid team. NC State going to be a solid team. But what happens if they go to the indoors and they play a few matches and they go one and two or oh and three or whatever, and, and then we're going, okay, well, you know, is this team, you know, are they 20 in the country? Are they, can they get top 15 top? To, like, where are they? I, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, we ranked them obviously, but um, I still have to see a little bit more from Ole Miss as well, but Hey, they got the job done. They were at home. They did what they needed to do. And you know what, if they improve, then they'll be fine. I mean, they're still a tough out. Mississippi is as thoroughly Mississippi this season as they are always Mississippi. It's just like, yeah, on some days they look like the 12th best team in the country, 11th best team on the country. Other days they look like the 33rd best team in the country right. or 34th best team in the country. I couldn't agree with you more. And it is worth noting. There's one freshman on this lineup Walker uh, and on this roster, Walker Stearns. That's it. This is an experience and an older team. And those teams always are going to look good in my opinion in January. And, you know, again, credit to this team. And I'll point out there, Manny, because you slight slighting of the University of Illinois, who let's be clear, the floor fell out from underneath this weekend. This was a brutal weekend for the Illini. But Chris, like 
again, I actually think it's perfect this region was held in Mississippi because all of these teams fall into the Mississippi category where it's like, yeah, on the right day, they're going to look 11, 12, borderline top 10. On the wrong day, like under no circumstances should they be hosting an NCAA regional. Yeah, well, and you know, you don't you don't have to go back far just to last year when we saw Ole Miss look great against teams and then lose to Memphis, right? I mean, it's that's the kind of team they are that that you know they're they're susceptible certainly to an upset, but then they have the kinds of guys that can just step up in a big match and beat a TCU, right? I mean, that's that's just who they are. So. So it's going to, I'm sure it will be another up and down year. Like you said, it's a bunch of veteran guys. They know what they're doing. You expect, you don't expect a lot of growing pains early in the season. All these guys know what they're getting into, but to Maddie's point, even with South Carolina, I'd say these lower, you know, this kind of lower half of the, you know, of that top end of the sec, when we go to indoors, South Carolina, Old Miss, Texas A&M will probably fall in the middle, but South Carolina, Old Miss are definitely going to be seated towards the bottom half, meaning they're going to be drawing someone in that Florida, Baylor, you know, prop, not Tennessee. I don't think they will be fifth, 16th, but, you know, they're going to be drawing probably a top five team, which is going to make that first match really, really tough on them. And, you know, it, it may, it could be a long weekend for some of them. But let's give them a pass on the first, on the first match, right? So let's say they play Baylor or they play Florida or they play, you know, TCU or whatever, and they lose. Okay, whatever, throw that out. What I'm going to be interested to see is in their next matches when they're not yep. playing those top five teams, let's see how they perform then. That's really what I what I want to see. I don't care about their first round. They're they're not going to get through it. I mean, they're they're just not. I don't think they they don't have enough weapons to be able to do that. Let's see how they perform in their next couple of matches, though. That should tell us a lot. I don't disagree. Although with it, like I said, with a team like Ole Miss indoors they could surprise somebody especially if they get a team you know florida's never been the great indoor team going to indoors uh you know if they another team they're you know they could jump up and surprise somebody like they did with tcu last year anything can happen yeah i agree and by the way i would say that about all the teams in this region and i want to give you guys a chance to quickly we're quickly rapid firing through here because we've we're an hour in we're still not even at number one a um you look for this NC State team and someone wise who I'm sure is tuning into this uh, stream told me, you know, Catry's up a set in 4-0 at one, right? Like if he is, if he is, closes out that match, it's three all. And it's a complete, we're talking about NC State maybe right now. And I actually think given how young that team is, what a weekend for the Wolfpack. If you're coach Spencer, if you're coach uh, James I think you feel pretty good about this team and how they've performed going on the road and the way they beat, even though it was a downtrodden Illinois, the way they beat them and competed against Ole Miss. Oklahoma, I think you feel fine about your weekend. If you're coached answering the Illini, I mean, head scratcher, Chris and Matt, rest of the regions on this team before we move on. Yeah, I think you're feeling great at, at NC State. I mean, even, you know, they had matches, they, they had two of them that were at seven, you know, tie breaks, double tie break matches, right? Seven, six, seven, six at three and seven, six, six, seven, and into a third at six. Uh, and like you said, uh, set in four Oh NC state for, and let's not forget they pulled, you know, Rafa at one, they, you know, they, everybody had to slide up a spot. They were missing, they're missing somebody. So, uh, which I thought was going to spell death for them. And, and they still look good. Uh, 
the Illinois thing, uh, as I texted you guys in the middle, man, this is starting. I mean, I know it's really early, but this is starting to feel like a couple of years ago where they just couldn't catch a break and everything went the wrong way. I mean, and and starting with the fact that we just can't even get a full lineup. We got we got Monsi back in there uh, the first day. Still no Kenyatta. Uh, and then Monsi's not in the second day. And uh, this team's just not good enough to not have a full lineup they need. And they still don't have a Zillow yet, I, I don't think. So, um, you know, they need all of the guys in there, especially Monsi. But yeah, a disastrous weekend uh, for them. They, you know, hopefully they're going to be able to get back, get healthy and and get a, get all of the guys in the lineup. But it was not a definitely not a great showing for them. Apologize, I'm muting myself so some of you don't hear the background. I am not a pronunciation Nazi that you called him Ozillo instead of Ozalins. God, I love you guys more and more. No, but Ozillo, that just tells that's, me that's why we doing. that's why we need guys. They all need to be goos. I yeah, mean, exactly. Yeah. The big O, no, I'll, for sure. Just call him Oz. Yeah, Oz. <laughs> um, yeah, Maddie. Same question. And by the way, uh, you know, I was talking to someone. We'll call him Galexis Alarno. It feels like if Galexis Alarno was on this NC State team, oh man, like look out. But well, final thoughts to you, Maddie. That changes everything, of course. I mean, Alexis, you know, he'd be clearly be one of the best players in the country. Um, no, I was impressed with NC State. I really wasn't expecting much out of them at all. We talked last week. Chris and I both said, eh, we're going to exclude them from even, you know, considering them to win this region. And they nearly pulled it off. They're young, though. They're very young. They have options, right? The depth is there because they brought in a, a big recruiting class. You know, guys like Braden Schick are coming in and, you know, uh, some really good international guys. We'll see what they can do. I still think they're young and that inexperience will hurt them down the line. Um, Oklahoma, about par for the course. They're a tough Big 12 team. And, you know, if you're one of the top teams, you have to bring it. And if you play well, you'll beat Oklahoma because you just have better players. But if you don't play well, they're the kind of team that can sneak up on you because they are pretty skilled. They have guys that can really play. Um, but Illinois, oh, I, I'm regretting my decision, obviously. Why did I pick Illinois? I, I don't know what I was thinking. It was a tough region to predict, and I went with Illinois. So did you, Gruskin, in that? I think I, just... I think I baited you into it. I blame me I for don't both know, man. I, I, I don't think you baited me into it. I just I, like to hear. I don't know what happened there, yeah. but I smell trouble. I, I agree with Chris. Mm. I think you, I'm getting vibes from you know a couple years ago where everything went wrong. I'm kind of feeling that way again this year. I I don't know, like, even if they get fully healthy, I just don't love the look of this squad, top to bottom. I, even fully healthy, I, I don't think I don't think it's going to be a great year. Yeah, I, it's fair. It, they are certainly a team with some of the biggest question marks, right, Chris? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're going to have to answer some questions early now. I, Maddie, one question for you because you're the ACC guy. Yeah. Shocking to me, and I don't, I, I don't know anything, so I'm wondering if you do. Barkai at one doubles, but doesn't even crack the singles lineup. Like, yeah, what? It's what is that a is that a really good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, I agree. Well, is he legitimately not making the lineup right now, or you know, is he just not in the best of shape, or you right. know, or an injured or type thing? But that's a guy that if you at you know, even last year with Lexi on the team, he's in the singles lineup. 
Yeah, this is a guy, you're right, Chris, and that's a great observation. I mean, Yanai Barkai, he, he's played in the middle of their lineup throughout his entire career. Solid lefty. I mean, he's a tough opponent to play. He's a tricky opponent, and he has experience playing number three, number four in the middle part of the lineup, and he's he's done pretty well. I, I feel like, and I don't know this for sure, this is all just my own speculation, I'm wondering if he's fully healthy or like you said, maybe not totally up in shape yet because there's no way like with his experience and, and just his skills, he would have to be in there at five or six at the minute, maybe not three or four where he's played in the past, but come on. I mean, you got to tell me that he would play five or six if fully healthy and, and, you know, playing at the top of his game. So let's keep an eye on that over the next you know few weeks let's see if that nc state lineup changes a little bit i think we will see some changes there i do i would say for all of these teams we can expect a change or two over the next few weeks and again obviously in the end it's old miss advancing to the national indoors but that was a fascinating region that obviously we had to spend some time discussing before we get to our number one most impressive performers, though, of the men's ITA kickoff week. And I want to rapid fire through the rest of the regions. How did the rest of the top seeds look? Those locks we mentioned last week. Let's get back to them now. However, speed things up a little bit. And because we always like to have some fun, incorporate the skills of super producer Daniel Westoff. I'm going to ask him, but five minutes on the clock, what we're going to do, I'm just going to ask the question. We're going to go Maddie take, Chris take move on unless I have a take, in which case I'll throw it in as well, but then we'll move on to the next region. So here we go. West off five minutes on the clock. Let's get started. All right, fellas. Number one, Florida. I have nothing new to add about them. Matty, do you? No, nothing new. They did what they had to do. That's Chris. It. Uh, nothing new other than kind of some odd lineups going out. Uh, I think they were probably missing some guys, right? I'm assuming what we could all assume by the fact that we saw no CMAR in anything all weekend. Uh, you know, I'm guessing the obvious there. So we saw some different guys get playing time at five and six. It was a little dicey with Florida state, but uh, nah, they did what they had to do. Fair. I have nothing else to add. All right. Number two, Baylor, little shaky there on day. Number one, of course we had them on our screen. I could tell Marco Finn, both of them were feeling the pressure of that first dual match. I will tell you this. Really liked how they each bounce back on day number two. And I want to go to you first, Maddie. Marco, shades of Nick Stokowiak at that number four singles player. I see a little tennis doppelganger there. Yeah, I I don't know if I love the comparison, Gruskin. I mean, they're probably about the same size. They're both quick. They move well around the court. Backhand's really good. I, I can see some similarities for sure, no question. Um, but they are different players. But I, I like what you said about bouncing back. The William and Mary match was a little iffy. I didn't love what I saw, you know, but they corrected it. And the Miami match was, was a good match for both of those guys that you mentioned, Marco really stepped up and played well in that second match. And so did Finn Bass. I mean, I'm not worried about Finn. The guy's a gamer. He's going to be perfectly fine. And, and his second set against Miami was, was really, really high level stuff. So for Baylor, look, when you play William and Mary, it's one of those, I, I saw this all last year, like things aren't going to be totally, not everybody's going to win. Oh, and right. It's just not going to happen. They got through it. They played much better against Miami. I have no worries about Baylor. They're fine. Chris, I thought Miami Clemson was a pretty good match. Clemson looked pretty good. Yeah. I, mean, I, I like what we saw from the, from, from the ACC teams there, but no, I mean, Baylor did their job. 
disrespectful to Nick to make that comparison, but let's move on. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I trolled Woodson into playing Miladinovich this week. No, I'm just kidding. He's going to play whoever he wants to play. I'm just very excited to get to have seen the freshman who, yeah, certainly, uh, again, a guy we will continue to keep an eye on and that entire bottom of the lineup for Baylor. They look like they've got the talent. All right, I apologize. We used way too much time on the Bears there. Texas. Pretty comfortable, still banged up, but pretty comfortable considering Columbia, Oklahoma State, Oregon coming to town. Maddie, I thought it was a good weekend for the Longhorns. Very good weekend. I was extremely impressed with Texas. They didn't even have a fully healthy lineup. Uh, that, that was a big takeaway for me, guys. Texas, in you know, in at least in my rankings, would would reflect that. I don't know about yours. I know we combined all of our rankings, but man, I'm still high on Texas. They're yeah. there when they get fully healthy. Look out. Yeah, I didn't know the kids are calling it Texas nowadays. Is that what they're high on? Good to know. Chris, your thoughts? Texas looked great. Pretty disappointing weekend for me out of Columbia. Didn't, you know, they, they've not shown me much yet this year. It didn't get any better this weekend. Uh, I, you know, I think Harvard's clearly preseason looking like the top Ivy League team right now. Uh, but yeah, no Spaziri, but Woldeeb finally in the lineup. Uh, I think once, you know, it's at least encouraging that we get to see Waldy. We know Spaziri will be around. So uh, if we can get CM Waldy back in the lineup, that's obviously their, their super deep team. Yeah. I thought Oregon, by the way, sneaky good as well. All right. Tennessee, they're back. Doubles looked good. Finally, I have nothing. To, they looked like the number one team. Maddie? Yeah. But again, let's keep in mind who their opponents were as sure. well. Right. I mean, that, but that's I what you that- should do to that opponent, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they took care of business um, and and they looked good. I mean, obviously they're number one in the country and I believe none of us have any issue saying that they're the number one. They're number one in all of our rankings. Yeah, all right. Chris? Yep, yeah, they rolled. They they took care of business. Let's see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, Memphis, Western Michigan. I think that match is still being played. All right, TCU, I got nothing new to add. Still look good. Maddie, Chris? Yeah, no, I agree. TCU at home took care of business. Did what they had to do again. Look at the opponents, though, right? I mean, again, look at that region, and you go, ah, okay, whatever. Um, we'll see how they do in, within the coming weeks. Thought the biggest question, Chris, was: Are they going to play five or six singles players in the matches? Anything <laughs> on the on the lower ends? I mean, in in the end, it was like five and a half because rules got like two bad knees. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, that's all they needed. That's good, Chris. All right, we're going to go over. I apologize, but not by much. You guys get one sentence. Ohio State over North Carolina. Go, Maddie. Dominant. Pure pure dominance. Impressive. Needed three sentences, although four words. I like it. Chris? The lock we said it would be. That's a good – is that a is that an episode title right there? The lock we said it could be? Lock that in, Westoff. I agree. All right, I lied. We're going to go over a sentence. Carolina, like top 25, top 20? I don't know, man. Like, I still have no idea where this team's going to end up. The the former, not the latter. <laughs> I mean, I'll give them 25, not 20. Maddie? Yeah. I mean, you know, they even their match against Northwestern, right? I mean, they play Northwestern, and, they, you know, it's just – it's not the same North Carolina. It's weird, right? I think we all feel like a little – a little odd because we're so used to Carolina being one of the top five teams in the country. And this year they will not be. This is going to be their Virginia 2018 season where it's just like you lose rinky unexpectedly the same way they lost Carl at Virginia unexpectedly. Will's gone all this. It's just like, I mean, look, I still faith, Brian, Mac, Ben, the guys, but man, it's going to be weird. All right. UVA 
to me, they look so good. Like I'm, I think the Cavalier, the who's are ready, Maddie. Yeah, they are. We talked about them on our college contenders preseason. I mean, this team, this team can beat anybody when they're, yeah. when they're rocking on all cylinders. I mean, they're, they're as good as anyone. They are. I love their team. Chris. Yeah. Super, super good team. And it's a, it's a team where like we talked earlier about how South Carolina didn't have locks anywhere other than Maddie's right. You know, you've got to kind of think they're a lock at one with, with Rodriguez, but you can get them anywhere. Virginia is sort of that same way where they're not locks anywhere, except the level is just a step up at every single position. It's the same kind of thing that I don't know where I'm going to get them, but I feel like twice as good about getting them than I do with (laughs) South Carolina with Virginia. They're just solid at every single position. Yeah, it's the best version you could argue of that. We can find one anywhere sort of team. All right, Stanford over UCF. No upset there. Both Cardinal looked very good, Maddie. Yeah, I was impressed. I, I was very interested to, uh, to see Stanford play. They didn't disappoint me at all. I I'm, I want to see more of Stanford now. I, I am so excited to see them at the indoors. See what and they're still no healthy Boyer. I agree with you. Like, it feels like, yeah. uh, Chris, this team's got another level. Yeah, that, that was going to be what I said is, is no Boyer and they still waltz through the region, uh, which we we kind of expected. But when we saw no Boyer, we thought, oh, maybe UCF puts up a little bit of a fight. Ah, no, thanks. I mean, yeah. see ya. No, completely fair. Uh, Tulane, by the way, I, I thought they would do. I thought they would play just everything. I did. I expected just a little more from them this weekend. Um, all right. Uga, a.k.a. UGA. Closest for one match you'll ever see. And of course, indoors, four courts being used. All of the top four matches, I believe, go to three sets, except for maybe two singles, which might have been one in straights by Georgia. Uh, I mean, Matt, tell you more about Georgia or tell you more about USF? I don't know. I mean, for me, Georgia, <laughs> you guys know that I've I've liked Georgia preseason. This was a team that I thought was going to be a top 10 squad. And I still believe that they're in the top 10 in my rankings. And, you know, I haven't seen anything without that would cause me to pull them out. Um, yeah, it's weird having only four courts. It was kind of, you know, it's a little difficult to follow those those matches there. But no, the dogs, um, yeah, they're 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 a very good squad which I said they would be. I knew they would be. Chris? Yeah, I mean, look, well, first of all, you know. (laughs) All right, for listeners to the podcast, he's wearing a Georgia tennis shirt. Not only a Georgia tennis shirt, but, you know, long sleeves, unlike the cheap short sleeve thing you were donning (laughs) uh, with all the natties on the back that I won't won't show. But, uh, Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, it was not the greatest uh, level coming to town that we knew USF even waltzed in off a loss to Georgia state on their way there. Uh, Georgia plays tight with uh, VCU drops the doubles point. In fact, to VCU, even the first sets in those singles matches were tough. They turn around, they win the doubles point with USF, but they play all of these tight singles matches again. And we were all texting back and forth, right? But we all kind of had the same feeling of, yeah, they're playing it close, but let's just in the end, they're gonna they're gonna pull all these three setters out and it's gonna be right. a 4-0-4-1 victory. And that's what they did. Do you want to play that close? No, but I, you know, it's what I expected now. That being said, they play NC State tomorrow. So 
a little step up in in the competition, right? So NC State is that is definitely not USF indoors. Totally, that's another level up. So they who can't, you picking? You know, they're going to have to bring the game. Who are you picking, Chris, in that match? Man, I'm picking Georgia. I'm just I'm just I, telling I, you right I now, I'm taking Georgia. Yeah, I can't get away from picking Georgia, but I really want to take an indoor upset with NC State, just Ooh. how good they looked. I, I I don't know if I can get away from 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 that, but uh, but I, I don't think you know I don't think they're going to roll. I, I mean I think NC yeah. State is going to push them. All right. Here, my fundamental issue was that we didn't get to see five and six start at the same time. If Georgia wins that match, zero and one at like five or like a two and two at six, like okay, now it's like yeah, it was close up top, but guess what? That happens. Like right. And so that's my problem. This is where one of those things where like, yeah, USF played a great match. And on the scoreboard, if you're a Georgia fan, you are like, what is wrong with this team? Super, super misleading. I just I don't think you can get an accurate assessment of the Bulldogs yet. And that's why I cannot wait to see them compete uh, in Seattle either. Last, but certainly not least, we go to Starkville for the Mississippi State region. We are well over our five minutes. I apologize. Kentucky ultimately advances in the all SEC showdown. Wildcats are really good. Like they're Draxel lost and their depth went out, Maddie. That's the story for me. Yeah, this, it went about as I expected. I mean, Mississippi state handled, you know, their first match and so did Kentucky. We all picked Kentucky, I think. So we had a feeling that it was going to go down like this. Yeah. Kentucky is a very, very good team. Um, You know, I just enjoyed seeing all all of the SEC opponents beat up on each other. I mean, I know we're going to get that, you know, w- you know, in the next couple of months or whatever. But um, yeah, no, both. I think positive for Mississippi State and Kentucky. Really, both of them. Alabama, agree. Arkansas. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> Fair. Well, Chris, final word on this region and on our rapid, not so rapid fire goes to you. Kentucky looked great. Look. If you were Mississippi State coming into the weekend, and this is a great sign for that Kentucky team, if you tell me, I'm Coach Matt Roberts, and you say, hey, Coach, we're going to give you doubles, we're going to give you the match against Draxel, and we're not even going to let Diallo win indoors. You can have those three. You got to love your chances, and they still lost. Kentucky didn't get Draxel, they didn't get Diallo, and they didn't get doubles. They won every other point. So... So just a quick question for the two of you. Are you telling me that Kentucky looked better than South Carolina and Georgia this weekend? <laughs> well, who pushed for them to be number 10 in our crack rackets preseason poll? I don't remember. It, it, Maddie, I, it, it, I'm, it's slipping my brain. Who pushed for them over South Carolina and Georgia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. Whatever. Yeah, okay. That's just a reminder. Okay. No, 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 no. I think we all agreed that South Carolina performed rather poorly. Yeah. Look, Georgia, I, look, I, I wouldn't say that Kentucky was all that much more impressive than <laughs> Georgia. True. I mean, I don't know. I, we'll see. You're we'll right. See. I just, it, it was the low hanging fruit. I was just like, it, it was right there for me to pick. Sure. The only, the only disappointing part about this is that we're not going to get to see that Virginia Kentucky match tomorrow because of the weather. And that got yeah. canceled. That would have been, that would have been, you know, a match to tell us something. As Westoff would chime in once we get his mic set up for these shows, he would chime in and say, as my people say, Dianu. I could not agree more. Very, very disappointing. Uh, we're not going to get to get that match. But those are 14 of your 15 regions, folks. One left to go. Our number one most impressive performer of the week. 
It's the Texas A&M Aggies, the only team to make us all look extraordinarily foolish as they don't just advance. They drop just one point, one point on their way to a 4-0 victory over UCLA, then a 4-1 victory over Arizona. These Texas A&M Aggies, I mean, come on now. I think unequivocally worthy of the number one spot, Manny. They, I mean, considering no Vashro, no Habib, no Aguilar, you know, um, who else? Barnaby Smith didn't end up coming back for them this season. So it's not like they get that boost as well. But Schachter sweeps the number one single spot in both of his matches. And Mathis Ross seems to look pretty comfortable at that number four single spot as well. And, you know, Guido Marson, who was battling last season, you know, one, four, five and doubles. That was the recipe for this team. It's just like we have a recipe, folks. Yeah, and and I think all of us, all three of us, I won't speak for you guys, but I'm playing the I, dancing video again, Westoff. Just show them dancing on us. They the dance dancing on us. video. I I have to apologize to Texas A&M. I mean, I did not, you know, that what that region was so quick for me to I think all of us, right, to just go Arizona, Arizona, Arizona is going to win it. We we significantly. I said obviously. I was like obviously Arizona's the pick. Obviously, I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I A and M was extremely impressive with that lineup. Like you said, they lost so many guys. Schachter having to step up now. Ross Groskin was a transfer from Virginia Tech. Course, yes. He played a little bit higher in the lineup when he was um, in Blacksburg. So him moving down to that number four position, that's good for him, but. I didn't expect this. I did not expect them to roll through UCLA like they did. I did not expect them to roll through Arizona like they did. Now, all of a sudden, I've got to start. I really have to focus on AM. I'm going to have to watch them a lot more closely because this was a team in the SEC that we had way down there, right? I mean, there were so many teams that we put ahead of Texas AM. I don't know. You know, they looked a whole lot better than South Carolina, didn't they? I mean, so we'll see. But yeah, no, I mean, shout out to AM. They they handled their business on their home courts. And it is tough. College Station is a tough place to play. I will say that. So nice advantage for them, um, you know, to have those matches at home. Again, we'll see how they do at indoors. I mean, indoors is going to be such a great test with all the best teams in the country. So I'm looking forward to that. 100%. Chris? Yeah, super impressive from AM. You know, we... The only guy that we probably felt somewhat solid about was was Schachter at one because we knew what we were getting and that he could, you know, he could step up and play there. Everybody else, I mean, Rollins all the way up to two. And wow, did he look good, uh, you know, up, up there at number two. Uh, you know, Perot took a tough one against against Colton Smith at three, but still had a, a had a good weekend. And then a win at four over over Hoyerall uh, for for Ross was a great showing. And then at five and six, you know, Marcon takes Hassey down. Perego's up five one in the third on Malbasic. I mean, boy, it's it was just an absolute great showing for them. And like Maddie said, yeah, we were thinking, hey, after Florida and Tennessee, we got this little group of Kentucky, Georgia, South Carolina. Well, A and M squarely in the middle of that group now for sure. Mm-hmm. No, it's, I mean, look, the Aggies were the best team this weekend. And 
I think Arizona, it was a surprising performance for them, no doubt. For them to, you know, drop the doubles point the way that they did. And then, you know, in particular to lose, you get losses from Zverts and Strom doesn't get over the finish line. And, you know, Double, uh, Double H, who's looked so great, and Mel Bastage, all the veterans, it felt like. And I'm just went out and beat them. And that's a credit to the Aggies, again, who, you know, other than freshman Colton Smith, who, my God, for Arizona, did they find a gem in Colton Smith? He's ready to be very good right away, very much on the short list for your best men's freshman player in the country. But I mean, like, again, everywhere, everywhere. Texas A&M either competed with or beat the Wildcats everywhere. And, like, they did the same thing with UCLA the day before, and it was just the consistency of the recipe, the consistency of the performance. On the flip side, I mean, if you're Arizona, you're just like, I, I, you're, I just think you're scratching your head. You're like, what happened here? Like, well, how did we, how did we lose this match? And I say this lovingly, I like the Bruins. I want to be clear. There are a lot of people in the UCLA program I am quite fond of. Anyone who put them in their USDA top 25 in this week's poll is not watching college tennis. Like, I'm sorry, but you just can't call UCLA one of the top 25 teams right now, Chris. You just can't. And so, like. Again, when you look beyond AM here, I feel no different about Arizona than I did before. I think they are the sort of team that, much like South Carolina, they can win some, they can lose some, just depends on the day. I just like, that's my takeaway from this is like, how is you, if you rank UCLA 25th or higher, you are not watching college tennis and like you should lose your vote. I completely disagree. Oh, there I mean, he is. He's back. Oh, come on. Okay, I'm gonna I'll go and say they're in the same boat that North Carolina's in. All right. I mean, they're they're right down there in that, yeah, they're not a top 20 team. Would I put them outside the top 25? No, not yet. They've still got some some players. They're not, I mean, clearly you saw what you saw this weekend. There's a big discrepancy right now. You know, we might have a little bit of parity, but there's a big discrepancy between the top 10 to 15 and that 20 to 25 range. There's there's a big gap there. Uh, it's a pretty significant drop. And UCLA, UCLA is outside of that drop right now. I mean, they're they're not at that level, but they've still got, uh, I mean, they've still got some talented guys on that team. Uh, and, I mean, it was, A&M did a great job getting through there. No, and again, I'm not telling you, I'm not saying it was, um, I'm not saying it was not at the end of the year, they can't be top 25. I'm saying right now. And Maddie, you were shaking your head in agreement. Seems like you agree with me. Well, they just, it's going to be a struggle, I think, for this team. I, I really do. I mean, I, I love Drew Baird, right? I mean, this guy's from North Carolina. I've known him pretty much his entire life. But to step up and have to play that number one position, like Chris said, they have some guys, right, where you look at their team and go, yeah, there's some talent there. But, man, in the Pac-12, I just think when they get up against any of these teams that are in the top 15 to 18 to top 20 range, I just think it's going to be really, really tough for them. So I, yeah, Gruskin, I, my expectations for UCLA this year are, are not very high. I'm not expecting to, to see that much out of them. May they, you know, maybe will they get a result here and there where it's like, Ooh, you know, that's a good win for the Bruins. Yeah, maybe they might, you know, in conference, they may beat somebody or whatever, but overall, I think when we get to the postseason, they're not really going to be a factor. But, but look, I mean, Gruskin talks about them like they went 0-2 and, and were a complete disaster. Yeah, they lost 4-0 to A&M. They turned around and beat Texas Tech. Texas Tech, yeah. okay, 
they're they're not they're not a top 20 top 15 team but they're not a bad team either i mean right and and to get away it wasn't you know it was a tight 4-3 match baird had to you know win at 7-5 in the third but they they you know they got a win you i i can't look at them and go oh you beat texas tech you sure as heck don't deserve to be in the top 25 but against any top 20 team chris i mean i just they're on your comfortable 100% Against any team that might be in the top twenty or top twenty-two of of the country, I I don't like well, exactly. That's that, that's where I started. I I looked at them long and hard, and right there in that twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four range is where I started going. I don't know. I might pick UCLA here. I mean, Maybe. it's you know, it's it's right in that. That's about where the line started crossing to. Yeah, that's about I where agree. I think they are. I just I think there are other teams who have earned victories this season, who have earned the right with those victories to be in the top 25 versus a UCLA team that, in my opinion, I just think it's indicative that you are not watching college tennis if you voted them top 25. Because I think the symbol we could have sent is just like, this is this is a team that's in a rebuild mode. And I, to your point, they have the talent. You can rebuild in college tennis by May. Like, that's a thing. Um, but this is an extraordinarily young team that doesn't have a Smith or a Cressy or a Giron or one of those guys up top. And like Baird's very good, but Govinanda, I mean, Govinanda gone as well. So I'm saying all those guys are gone now. And yeah. so it's interesting times for the Bruins. I am fascinated. I think they're one of the teams I will be watching most closely here this season. But you know what, Chris, you mentioned a guy who was one of our standout performers for Texas A&M. And of course we're a glass half full type of show here. And I actually had the opportunity to stand uh, to speak with, what the perhaps the standout performer of the 2022 ITA men's kickoff weekend, number one singles player and doubles player, four and oh on the weekend for the Aggies. Of course, I'm or not four and oh, excuse me, three and one, I believe. Uh, but I've, of course, am referring to Noah Schachter, who we have referred to many times on this podcast and who joined me for a long form interview that all of you listeners can hear over on the Cracked Interviews podcast either tonight or tomorrow. But of course, we also had the chance to ask him specifically about the ITA kickoff weekend. And you're going to hear that interview now. Of course, coming up after this, we're going to preview the week ahead. We'll talk about the rankings as well. So stick around with us. But for now, here's my conversation with Texas A&M standout Noah Schachter. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining us live on the show now, one of the standout performers of the ITA kickoff weekend, a man who is also not shy in telling and sharing his, I will say, affinity for proving me wrong over the course of the past weekend as well. Of course, you may know him best as a standout performer, number one singles and doubles player for the Texas A&M Aggies this season. Welcome on to our show, Noah Schachter. Noah, congratulations on a fantastic weekend, my friend. More fun, the actual winning on on court or the dancing off of it afterwards uh for sure winning on court but it was definitely a fun idea that we had making that video so 
and they were both really fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome to see, and obviously awesome to see your team compete this weekend. And look, I'll eat the crow right away. Did I pick you guys to advance? No, I did not. When you lose people like a Vashro, like a Habib, like an Aguilar, I think justifiably people will wonder, well, what does this version of the team look like? Well, now you guys not only earn a decisive 4-0 win over UCLA, but 4-1 over Arizona as well. What have you learned about your team over the course of these first few weeks of the season? I think we just have we have such great depth. And honestly, um, like you said, losing Bastro and Beeb and Aguilar is, is a big loss. But everyone on this team can still play. And I think we're all just super hungry to, you know, to get out there and prove people wrong. And we, we believe that we can still do really well in the biggest matches so um yeah it's just i mean it's only one weekend but i think we showed a lot of people that we're still a, a really strong team so. yeah no absolutely and look you're a fourth year junior now but you, you've been around college tennis you know uh, what to expect match in match out and you know the preparation the energy level that it takes to succeed uh i just want to start with you know your performances here uh at the start you obviously get back-to-back wins at that number one double spot and you know i'm curious for you and austin which i believe is a new team here this season you know what's clicked so well for you guys you're now top 50 you know ita ranking in the country and you know for you guys big win over ucla i know i think arizona got you but you know what tone have you guys been trying to set at the top yeah we're just well First of all, we're just super good friends. We live together. We came in at the same class. So that always helps. We have such great chemistry on court. And then Austin's just a really unbelievable doubles player. He has a huge serve and really explosive on the court. So he's really fun to play with. And, um, yeah, I just try to be solid and make a lot of balls. And we just have fun. Yeah, I mean, it, the crowd really helped us this weekend in doubles. And, um, yeah, we're excited just to keep going. Mm-hmm. Did you guys – I mean – Look, I'll just ask you, did you expect to take the doubles point? Like, did you guys feel pretty good heading into the weekend about where you, you know, Coach Denton had you guys at? Yeah, we practiced a lot of doubles uh, before the weekend started. And um, obviously UCLA and Arizona, they're both really strong teams. So we there was no guarantee, but we felt that we had a good shot. And um, yeah, we just, I mean, one set of doubles, no ad, anything can happen. So you know how it is. So we just, you know, played with lots of energy and luckily it, it went our way. Mm-hmm. Two and three over Drew Baird against UCLA. We'll get to the clinch against Sieverts because that's, that had to have been fun. But two and three over a guy who, you know, not that much younger than you and highly touted recruit, highly, you know, esteemed and a lot of pedigree for him and success he's had throughout the course of his career. What clicked for you? And again, to be a junior going up to that number one spot for the first time, not saying you weren't prepared for it, but mentally, what sort of jump was that? Yeah, it was a, definitely a big jump. I mean, I played most of my career at line four or five. And, um, you know, I just tried to, you know, believe that I could, you know, be there. And um, I actually have known Drew for a super long time. We used to play doubles together Um for a lot of ITFs, so he's a super nice guy. I, just, I knew I had to play really well, and I was fortunate to win a few deuce points early on and break his, his serve, and yeah, I played super solid, and I don't know, I just it was actually a, a pretty packed crowd, and you know, it was uh, it was just a really fun atmosphere, so yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and then you guys get the job done, and obviously for you guys, get wins, you know, uh, doubles, one, four, five on day number one, and you advance against Arizona, and knowing that Arizona team like I do, they come out with energy. 
they're fiery, they're feisty, they're going to try and smack you around, and obviously they get you guys at that number one doubles position, but talk to me about, you know, that number three, that finish there to get that 7-5 victory. What sort of momentum does that build for your team? And you talked about the energy. How, you know, how big was that Aggie crowd? You know, how, how packed were things for you guys in College Station this past weekend? Yeah, we probably had a few hundred people all packed onto that one court of doubles, and um, we had Julio Grego down there and Rafa Perot, and they have been playing unbelievable in practice lately, and they were just, they went out swinging in that match, and I was super impressed with how they played, and getting that doubles point, it just really helped us going into singles, all relax. Um, I mean, we just, I think it was a point that we felt like um, we could take from them, especially because of we've been practicing so well and how we played against UCLA because um, we knew just how strong they were in singles. So when we got that point, I think all of us realized like, wow, you know, we can we can beat this team. So. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously for you guys, I'm curious because I know Mathis Ross, who uh, got a couple of wins on the victory, he's a sophomore, but, you know, that's a huge performance from him at that number four spot. Do you look at him and say, hey, you're doing me with pride. Like that was my spot. I appreciate you doing it with honor. No, yeah, for sure. Mathis, he's one of the he's one of the best players on the team, in my opinion. Um, he actually had a lot of success last year at Virginia Tech, um, and he can. He's one of the player, players that I think can beat anyone at line four. So I wasn't surprised at all. Um, he's a super hard worker, and yeah, I was just super happy for him. Yeah, I know, and I mean, again, for you guys, you found a recipe. Doubles, one, four, five. And I know you and Gita are two of the returners on this team. And, you know, even though there aren't that many freshmen per se, it's a lot of new faces for you guys. And so, you know, do, do you two talk before, you know, I'm not to ask you to speak for Guido, but for the two of you as the returners and just do you feel an extra burden of early in the season? Like, hey, we got to show the guys the way. And then ultimately for you, I mean, I saw you dance your way into that ITA kickoff. What's it mean for you guys to get that victory this early in the season? Yeah, we just try to lead the guys the best we can. Um, you know, we know that we've had probably more experience playing than all the other starters on the team. So we just try to relax them. You know, like we know how tough it is playing down low at five and six. So we, I mean, Guido still plays down there, but he's the rock down there. But um, we just try to, you know, relax the guys and say, like, you know, no matter what happens, you know, like it doesn't change how we how we feel about you. And um, we believe in you guys. And we just all tried to, we just tried to play fun, uh, play together. So it just worked out and how we finished both our matches. But I think on all courts, I think we had chances and we were actually winning on court six as well, both days with Julio. Um, Rafa had some tough matches, but he played really good players and Pierce was also in both of his matches. So I was, Throughout one through six, I think we were in every match. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, for this team, again, everyone's playing in a new spot, or you know, except for Guido, I guess. But everyone's, you know, it's a new team, it's a new environment. You guys are trying to acclimate yourselves and you know, form that cohesive unit that helps everyone achieve more some of its parts you know all the cliches um what does this weekend do just you know to be candid this was i don't want to say unexpected but now you're going to the national indoors you're in the final 16 what does this do for the team's confidence how do you build off this over the next couple of weeks yeah i think it helps our confidence so much uh honestly i mean we had no expectations going into this weekend we just thought you know we just thought you know, we're, we still thought we were a good team, but we, we didn't know what was going to happen. And um, obviously going to National Indoors is such a big achievement for us. But uh, 
I mean, the best teams in the country are there and we have no indoor courts really. So we'll see how that goes, but um, we still believe that we can do well and uh, surprise some people. But yeah, it's going to be such a fun time there. So what do you guys do? Do you just take the basketball court at College Station? You're like, we're going to make this a tennis court for the week. We're going to play indoors. Or is it just all outdoor prep and, and getting ready for it? It's mostly all outdoor prep. We actually have these three covered courts about 15 minutes away. Sure. Um, it's not, but the thing is, it's, there's no heating involved, so it's still really cold <laughs> in there. But uh, yeah, we find we find a way. So. That's good. No, I'm looking forward to. It. Well, again, what's give me one reaction, Coach Denton, locker room after the match? Is he yelling? Is he dancing as well? Because that would have really made the video if I would have seen him drop to the ground. No, Steve. Steve's not really the dancing type anymore. But uh, no, he was just proud of the way we competed. Um, he didn't have much to say. He was, he was just super, super proud of us. Um, Kevin O'Shea as well was super pumped and always throwing his hat when we win and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, they're great coaches, great guys. So they were just super excited for us because they know how hard we've worked. No, awesome. Well, again, Noah, standout performers. I've never more happily eaten crow in my life, and deservedly so. It was great to see you guys do that. So congratulations to you and the team, and obviously good luck in your preparations and as you guys head towards to Seattle. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. So a huge thank you to Noah Schachter for taking the time to chat. Again, you can hear the full conversation between myself and Noah over on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. But again, be on the lookout for us to talk with players, coaches each and every week on this show. So we want to paint the full picture for all of you listeners and viewers tuning in at home. Now, with that said, got a couple of things left to do before we depart. First of all, got to set the scene for the week ahead for all of you. And as you listeners know, where do we get that week ahead title from? Well, Chris Hellior so brilliantly titled that one section of his uh, website that week ahead where you can see each and every match happening across uh, the board in the college tennis world. There are a lot of good ones, folks, and you can see them all on the board. I feel like quickly I want to talk about some of the ones that were canceled. UVA, UK, that's out. Uh, obviously snowstorm here in the Midwest UVA, unable to make the trip. Duke, Illinois, that's out as well. Texas Baylor moved to Monday. So that'll be Monday, 6 p.m. Again, we do have some adjustments here. We also UNC, Illinois, that match gets canceled. Now, just because that happens does not mean we still don't have outstanding tennis here this weekend. You look across the board. I mean, right away, Tennessee, Ohio State Friday, USC, Stanford Saturday, it's going to be a fun weekend of college tennis, fellas. Maddie, what are you watching most closely? Oh, geez. All of it, right? I want to <laughs> see all of this, but how about Tennessee, Ohio State, guys? Mm, national Listen. indoor final preview? It Could it be? I mean, it, it very well could be, but huge this, this, for seeding. Huge, huge for seeding. Huge for everything, right? It's yeah. just a big time match for both of these teams, but. It's in Columbus, if I'm not mistaken, and we know what that means. That is a major, major advantage for the Buckeyes. I think I'm kind of leaning towards Ohio State. I know Tennessee's number one in the country right now, but that is a very difficult place to go win win a tennis match. So I, I hope it's epic, right? I hope we get some, you know, four, three down to the last seven, six in the third type of match to, to finish it off. Um, you know, and again, we talked about Georgia a little bit earlier. 
I'll just mention these briefly, but I'm interested to see Georgia's weekend, right? Because Gruskin, you said you weren't all that impressed with the Bulldogs over kickoff. Mm -hmm. So guess what? They're on the road. They play NC State tomorrow, and then on Sunday they turn around and play at Wake Forest. That's tough, okay? Mm -hmm. So let's see how they do in those matchups. If they come out of here, what are you going to say if Georgia beats NC State on the road and then they go to Wake Forest and they they, uh, take out the Deeks in Winston-Salem? Then, 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 what are you going to say about Georgia? Because I think that's a, I think that's a possibility. I really do. I think Georgia could go two and zero on the road this weekend. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I get yelled at for not bringing up the mid majors or non power five. San Diego at Arizona, fascinating, fascinating matchup. Pepperdine at Oklahoma State. How does Pepperdine bounce back? That's certainly something we'll be looking for as well. And again, there are countless things you can turn to. Chris Hallioris, your preview of the big matches and, of course, what you're watching most closely as well. Michigan-Harvard, got to give a shout-out, Michigan-Harvard. Go ahead. Yeah, that's that's gonna that could be a very interesting match. I hope we see Styler. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, tomorrow, Tennessee-Ohio State, I think the winner is the top-seeded indoors. Has to be. Uh, I mean, it, it's obviously, if it's ten, Tennessee, it's a lock. Uh, but you know, I, outside of Virginia or having Alex Galea on your team, nobody wins in Columbus, right? Uh, so, uh, that's not going to be an easy Hold on. AG stick together, even in yeah. the case of Alex Galea. So I don't appreciate that shot, but that's freaking hilarious, Chris. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be, that's going to be a tough match to, to win in Columbus. So, uh, but that's a huge one Saturday. SC Stanford. I mean, that I, I, I cannot wait. You know, I don't get to see a lot of West Coast tennis, and that's a match this early in the year. I'm really looking forward uh, to seeing. And then to Maddie's point, Georgia, if Georgia does what Maddie says, if Georgia goes and beats NC State at NC State, beats Wake at Wake, they're top five. Uh, I mean, they're, that, that's what's going to happen. Uh, yep. You know, we've already got them in the in the second five right you can't you can't be there come out with two of the two wins like that given that a either tennessee or ohio state has to lose uh so there's one you could leapfrog maybe not if it was tennessee but certainly ohio state if they lost you're going to drop them down below a georgia team that beats both of them but yeah that's a that's a big weekend for them uh, so yeah, I'll definitely, those are the matches that I'm looking most forward to. That's how you can tell it's time for us to wrap this show. I'm getting booted out here and getting, uh, given handed dinner, Maddie, I apologize. Go ahead here. No, one last one. And I know this got moved to Monday, but Texas Baylor, at Baylor, yep. Great I mean, call. Th- this is going to be, I mean, fireworks guys, that is going to be a hell of a matchup. Can't wait to see it. And, and just hopefully everything, you know, the the storm, the ice and the snow is all cleared out by Monday so we can actually play that match. Mm-hmm. That's going to be I think it's going to be a super tight, hotly contested match that we got to watch that. Great question from Scotty B. Uh, he asked, what's the most likely scenario for Ohio State, who, of course, plays Tennessee at home? They then get Virginia on Sunday, assuming UVA is able to make that trip come Sunday, which might be a big assumption at this point. Scotty B. asked, most likely. 0-2, oh 1-1, and, one and one. I'm going to throw 2-0 and oh in there as well. What say you? We're just going to rapid fire through. Maddie? Well, I'm going to say 2-0. and oh. These matches yeah. are both in Columbus, yeah. right? I'm, I'm going to say 2-0. and oh. I think they come out of it 2-0. and oh. Scotty, I know you're listening, man. And, and I just think, look, Tennessee and Virginia, both, both of those teams 
have the ability to beat Ohio State, but we're playing indoors in Columbus, man. I mean, it's a different animal. I say most likely they go 2-0. Chris? Same, 2-0. I mean, Tennessee doubles better show up. That you know, it's that it hasn't so far this year. Ohio State's got the top two doubles teams in the country. I mean, you better show up for doubles. And if you give them the doubles point in Columbus and you try to find four singles points against Ohio State, they're really tough. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's more likely they go they go two and oh, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure Virginia can actually obviously they can't get into Kentucky tomorrow. I'm right. not sure they're going to make it to, to Ohio State on Sunday. Yeah, no, well, with that said, we are so excited here at Crack Rackets to announce we're going to be on the call for Saturday's match, or Friday's match, excuse me, Ohio State taking on Tennessee at home. And we'll be on the call for the majority of Big Ten matches throughout the course of the season. We are so excited to announce that we've come to an agreement with the Big Ten men's and women's teams to be able to red zone broadcast their matches throughout the course of the 2022 season. All the schools, folks, not just Ohio State, Michigan, Illinois. If you are a fan of a Big Ten school, I promise at some point we're going to have them on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel over the course of the next few months. And again, all of you listeners well aware of the fact that we pride ourselves on our broadcasting that we want to expand how many of you are able to see college tennis, the access, you know, the routine nature of knowing each and every week, we're going to have a broadcast that we can turn to, Well, we will have one for you every Sunday. We're going to start out after the national indoors. Some of you may be asking, well, why are you announcing it this soon? If you're not starting till after the national indoors? Well, some of you guys may not know this, but Dalton Thieneman has many positive traits. Patience is not one of them. So we are ready to introduce this to all of you listeners. Big 10 Red Zone coverage each and every Sunday. If you're a Big 10 school, you have already signed up for this. If you are a fan of a Big 10 school, know that your team signed up and that they are going to be on our YouTube channel each and every Sunday throughout the rest of this 2022 season. Of course, Chris will most certainly be joining us on some of those broadcasts. Maddie, hope to have you on there as well. But we're really excited, and this is just one of a couple of pieces. We may have another domino or two fall over the course of the next few weeks. Look forward to announcing that when they do to all of you listeners. But again, Big 10 red zone coverage every Sunday, men's and women's teams starting the week after the men's national indoors. We'll go from there throughout the rest of the 2022 season. With all of that said, just one thing left for us to do here, folks. That's unveil our crack rackets top 10 poll first of the season. We finally have enough information. The data has been accumulated. The voters, the votes have been turned in. There's some dispute amongst our Crack Rackets panel. Who goes where? Ultimately, we aggregate four rankings, myself, Chris, Matt, and Jay, for what it's worth. And they announced it publicly, so I can say it. I have a full ballot in the USTA poll. Chris and Maddie share a ballot on the USTA poll. That's why when Texas A&M lobbies criticism, it's at me, folks, because I got the full ballot. Uh, That's the burden and the blessing. But with that in mind, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, show me our top 10. And you see for us, we were united in our take. University of Tennessee, they've yet to lose. They've earned the best probably two wins uh, or the best win of the season at TCU. And just, again, they've they've earned the right heading into the Buckeyes matchup to be ranked number one. Of course, you look elsewhere. 
who are our other uh, top 10 teams here as we start things off. You look for us. I believe TCU has moved all the way up to number two. Again, it's a little difficult for me. If you can, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, will you slack me our one through 10 just so I make sure I get this right? But I believe number, so number one right now, Tennessee. Number two, TCU. Number three, still Baylor who's yet to lose, but remains unproven and doesn't have the victories of a TCU, right? Who beats Florida at home, despite losing uh, to Tennessee, that win over Florida, the single most valuable thing on the board. That's why right now there are number two team ahead of Baylor. Who's currently sitting at number three, number four, we have the Buckeyes and I really tried my best to make Ohio state number two. So it would be a number one versus two matchup. Our rest of our panel isn't as creative, I suppose, as I am OSU four, Florida five, Virginia 6, Georgia 7, Stanford, Texas tied for 8th. We then have USC coming in at 10th. Now, the biggest disagreement between us and the coaches poll continues to be you look for uh, TCU, Florida. Coaches still have Florida above TCU. And respectfully, like, come on. If you're one of the 12 coaches on the ITA coaches poll and you are still voting Florida over TCU, guess what? You may look smarter come May. But is that really what you want to do right now? Like, in what world can you justify to whatever God is your God that TCU is ranked below the team that they beat? I don't know. But, Matt, uh, Maddie, we'll start with you. Your biggest disagreements with our Cracked Rackets poll, where do you end up overall? Uh, yeah, let's just be clear. Everybody that's watching right now, th- these are not my rankings, right? And they're not Gruskin's. They're not Chris's. We combine all of them together. So it's a little bit funky. Um, look, I, I mean – I don't know. These are all the teams that I had in there. The order is just a little bit different. I'm higher on Texas, I think, than you guys are. If I remember correctly, when we when we sent our, our lists, I still think Texas, I was so impressed with what they did over kickoff weekend without even a fully healthy squad. Maybe it's my Big Ten bias that's coming in here, but I mean, I think Texas should be up a little bit higher. I didn't have TCU over Baylor either. Like, I mean, I know they have that win over Florida, but Baylor stayed strong. I mean, I don't know. I really don't have too many qualms with with our rankings. I mean, I I think we have the teams right, um, the the ten teams that really deserve to be in there. If it was me, I would just flip some of the order around a little bit. That's all. Yeah, that's fair, Chris. Directionally, objectively, whatever you think. Yeah, I don't know. You guys must have just been all crazy on either side of me because this is pretty much right, right in the. I, I must be the, the middle because this is my list with Baylor TCU swapped and Georgia Stanford swapped. But other than that, that's my order. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, it's uh, I don't I don't have any any qualms here. I, You're welcome. I think it's the, I, I think it's me. I ding Texas a little bit more than you two have because they have the losses, and so again, it's not about. Long term, it's just right now I can't justify having undefeated teams or teams who have earned better wins behind them. I just can't right now. Okay, but it's not just you, Gruskin. Chris, I think you both had Texas in the same spot, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, so Chris, yeah, I had him at nine. Have, so why? Why is it? What would you don't you don't feel like they they should be up at seven or eight? I mean, Georgia. No, Stanford, I, yeah, yeah, I have I have Stanford and Georgia both in, in front of them simply because, and I know they obviously Texas has played stronger teams, right? Uh, but you know, nobody to me, I just nobody's beaten Stanford or Georgia. I know they haven't played the strongest schedule yet, but uh, you know, 
I'm going to err on the side of just, Hey, you did lose a match. I'm still, you're still a top 10 team, but turn around and show me, you know, that, you know, something a little bit better uh, there. And yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I wouldn't argue necessarily. I would argue if you tried to put them above Virginia, but from Virginia at six down, like seven, eight, nine, yeah. which is where you and I, you and I actually both had Georgia eight. And then we had Stanford and Texas on either Wait. side of them yeah. in an opposite order. Right. <laughs> so, so when I combined that for our USDA poll, I was like, ah, what the heck do I do here? <laughs> yeah. So, no, and, uh, and again, that strength at the top for all of these teams, the margins between them so thin. And it's like, again, a four, three decision is why Tennessee is number one over TCU right now. There's still, despite all the information we gathered on the kickoff weekend, plenty that is unknown about the 2022 college tennis season. Of course, with all of that said, have to give another huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision who powered us through a two-hour recap of the 2022 ITA kickoff weekend. Folks, if we didn't cover what you were looking for, then quite frankly, I'm not sure we ever will. So a huge shout out to both you, Matt and Chris, for your work helping us get through this show and obviously for following all the action throughout the weekend. A shout out to Super Producer Daniel Westoff. As long as we've been talking, he's been on the ones and twos producing. You're not, you know, the D on, on Stokowiak's hat stands for Daniel. If you flip the M on Chris's upside down, it would be Westoff. We'll do that next time so it looks a little bit more clean. Uh, but again, shout out to Westoff. Absolutely. Now, no one wants to see your head. Chris, absolutely uh, the best in the business. So uh, shout out to him for his help. A shout out to our friends at Swing Vision as well, again, for powering us to learn more. Click on the link in your podcast feed or, you know, again, go to Swing Vision's website. You use our promo code CRACK20. You let them know we sent you there. $20 discount, 14-day pro trial. If you want to get better at tennis, Swing Vision is the place for you. With all that said, guys, final thoughts. Maddie, then Chris, on the ceremonial start of the 2022 college tennis season. Yeah, I, we've covered it all, man. This was Are you sure? Blast. Should we do five more I, minutes on Ohio State? I mean, I'm sure we could, right? We could go all night if we Cash had. Cash Votzel played two this weekend, and we didn't talk about it till now. They played two this weekend, Chris. Two! Yeah. You know, I, I just, I, I remember during the, during the show, Gruska, and the only thing I'm going to reflect on is you brought up your singing. I now figured out why you're hitting the pro circuit. You're trying to find Sandgren and Torp and crash that acoustic Dude, spot. Dude, let me just say, lyrics so good, you would have thought I wrote the album. Um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, 100%. I'm the acapella to fly into their group. I'm uh, the missing piece here. I'm looking for a solo. By the way, again, I still think my takeaway is that Maddie thinks Andrew Rogers is a good-looking man. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. Well, not kidding. Maybe you do. Who knows? Point being, a shout-out to the both of you for taking the time to slog through this with me. And with all that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, my partners in crime, Chris Halliorce and Matt Sikoyak, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I am your host, Alex Gruskin. This has been another episode of The Deciding Point. But of course, Maddie, Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey. Hey. Great shot. Great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thank you for tuning in, everyone.
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 